You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you this morning. And it was so great to see Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy up here. If you're grateful for Pastor Jeremy, give him a big hand. We're so grateful for his leadership in our church and all of our staff and all of our volunteers. We're so grateful for everybody that makes Bayshore the special place it is. And we're just so glad that you're with us here this morning. And I want to say a big hello to our online family. We have people watching all over the community, hundreds of people. And we're so grateful for you being a part of this weekend's service. And uh, we're so grateful for you. And we are also grateful for our Fenwick Island campus. Let's welcome our Fenwick Island campus this morning as they join us. Pastor Chase and the whole team there, but we're so grateful for everybody. And of course, you guys, we're so glad you're here. We're in a series called um, Do the Opposite, and we're talking about the importance this year of some of the things we were really off on in uh, 2021 to this year do the complete opposite. Sometimes some things need to be tweaked a little bit, changed a little bit, but then there's other things in our life that are just completely out of order, and we need to do the exact opposite. Last week, we talked about how, you know, it's so easy to get filled with anxiety and fear and worry and what is the opposite of that? The opposite of that is turning to the Lord and trusting the Lord and envisioning those moments in the future that you're dreading, that you're concerned about, and envisioning the Lord being with you. And throughout the Old Testament, we learned last week that the antidote for overcoming anxiety is an awareness that God is with you. And so that's an important uh, concept we talked about last week. So this week, we're going to be talking about something different. This week, we're going to be talking about doing the opposite uh, in our relationship relationships, our negative relationships. Sometimes we have negative relationships that are just uh, really, really uh, causing us a lot of uh, worry, a lot of frustration and bitterness and anger. And you know, some people can really, really give you a hard time and you can get into a situation where you live in sort of a mentality uh, being upset with people and angry at people and unforgiving toward people and bitter toward people. So what is the opposite of that? The opposite of that is releasing people, not holding them uh, under the gun anymore and blessing them. The Bible says for us to pray for those that persecute us. So this year, instead of being sort of all wrapped up in the negative in terms of relationships that are negative, this year we're going to do the opposite. We're going to forgive those people and we're going to bless them and then we're going to be able to move forward. Max Cicado, great writer, he's an incredible uh, writer and uh, he's written a lot of books and he says this, peacemakers are architects who build bridges with wood from a Roman cross. Peacemakers are architects who build bridges with wood from a Roman cross. And what he says there is that when we experience the cross and then when we experience forgiveness and grace, that we should take the wood, we should take the cross that's touched our heart and we should build bridges with other people. So this year, instead of being a bridge burner, instead of being a bridge destroyer, we're gonna be bridge builders. 
bridge builders, important, important concept. I was in Germany quite a few years ago, and I was with this guy named Brad Thurston, and I was doing some mission work there, and he took me on a tour of certain parts of Germany, and I distinctly remember this place we went to uh, near the Rhine River, where there was a bridge that went halfway across the uh, Rhine River, and he said that during World War II, Uh, The Germans had that bridge there, and when they knew the Americans were going to come in to invade Germany, they blew up the bridge. And so you could literally see across the Rhine River, you could see half of the bridge standing, but the other half had been blown up and destroyed. So I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of building bridges with people. So that this year we don't destroy relationships, but we build relationships. And that's an important, a very important concept. Now, there is an incredible verse that's found in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 5. And this verse is revolutionary. This verse is revolutionary when you think about it. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, I don't know if you know what the word bless means. You know, that's kind of a generic word. I mean, kind of use the word bless. You know, I hope you're blessed and God bless you and all of that. But that word really, it means to be happy. In the Greek, the word really means to be happy. And here's what I've discovered and am discovering in life. It's impossible to be happy and be bitter at the same time. It's impossible to have a joyful, carefree, happy life and be bitter. Those two things cannot come together. So Jesus said, blessed are those peacemakers. Happy are the people that make peace. Happy are the people that are peacemakers. So if you turn that upside down, you could say unhappy are the people that don't make peace. So when you think about people that are most miserable in life, the people that are most miserable in life are people that are constantly at odds with other people. In order to improve the quality of your life, you have to improve the quality of your relationships. In order to improve the quality of your life, you have to uh, improve the quality of your relationships. Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And when I looked at that verse, I tried to like come up with something. I mean, what does it mean that they're children of God? And what I wanted to say about that verse was, uh, you know, and sometimes you look at a verse and you want it to say something, but uh, I wanted it to say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I knew from the Greek that the word children there is weos, and that is a son, and I wanted to say that that meant a mature person, but really we also sometimes used as children as well. So it doesn't mean that. But I do believe that the more mature people in life are the people that do make peace. But what I really discovered when I looked at this verse is how do you know, how do you know if you're really a child of God? How do you know if you're really authentically born again? How do you know if you're authentically a follower of Jesus? What proof is there that you are a child of God. And what it says here is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. A person that's filled with love toward another person, and 1 John will confirm this, we'll look a little bit later in the, in the message this morning. 1 John says, how do you know that you're a child of God? You know that you've turned from darkness to light if you love your brother. 
So if I'm a person who walks in love and forgiveness, that is a sign that I really know Jesus. How can I really be born again? How can I really be changed by Jesus and hate other people? Those things do not compute. So blessed are the peacemakers. Why are you blessed? Why are you happy for your peacemaker? Because that shows that you're really a child of God. So in order for us to follow Jesus, we need to have this sense of making peace with other people and forgiving other people. Sermon on the Mount also says in Matthew 5.44, Blessed, uh, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those that persecute. Be like your heavenly father, it says, because your heavenly father doesn't cause it just to rain on the righteous farms. But your heavenly father is such a loving and forgiving father that when he sends rain down, he just doesn't rain, uh, put rain on the crops of the people that love him. But he also puts rain on the crops of the atheists, the people that don't believe in him. So in order for us to become like our Heavenly Father, we have to be benevolent and loving toward people that are not so easy to love. How many have some relationships that you just don't know what to do with? They're just difficult. We all have that. I've got in my closet, my walk-in closet, I've got a bag full of mismatched socks. Have anybody got a bag of mismatched socks or a box of mismatched How do they disappear? I mean, what is the dryer? Is the dryer eating these socks? What is going on? I used to blame Karen for it, but now I do my own laundry, so it's, it's my problem here. But you've got, I've got this whole bag of socks that I don't know what to do with because they don't have, they're not reconciled. And we all have relationships that we don't know what to do with because they just aren't reconciled, and we have some difficulty with them. But let me just talk a little bit about a few things here. First of all, it's important for us to know how beautiful unity is. When you have unity between people, when there is harmony in relationships, it's a beautiful thing. When people are loving each other and getting along, there's nothing more beautiful than pleasant relationships. It says in Psalm, Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, how good... And how pleasant it is when people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Now, when you read Psalm 133, if you read it in your Bible, it says it's a psalm of ascent. Psalm of Ascent. Now, what does that mean when you read over the little heading when you're reading your Bible and it says Psalm of Ascent? It means it's one of those psalms that the Israelites quoted when they were going up to the temple to worship. And you got all of these people coming from all over Israel, different tribes, different areas, and they're coming to the temple and they're coming there to worship the one God and they're all coming together under the lordship of, the, of Jehovah. And so the psalmist writes, how beautiful it is how pleasant it is when people dwell together in unity. Now, I'm extremely thankful that my two sons, I have two sons that uh, one just turned 40 this year, and Joel is 38, I believe, and uh, these two sons are best friends. They're best friends. They uh, have always, you know, when they were kids, you know, they fought like other kids did, but they are best friends as adults. And they surf together. This is an older picture of them. They go on surfing trips, uh, go to Nicaragua. Uh, they are personally in therapy right now because the Ravens lost last week. 
They watch Ravens games together. Uh, they and their wives get together. They recently went, uh, this year they went to a football game at the beginning of the season. And these two boys, as adults, get along. They're very close. And uh, they live about a mile, mile and a half apart in Bethany. And they are always just together. And they're just, they get along and they love each other. And I can't tell you how much that means to me as a parent to know that I have two sons that are, they got each other's back and they're taking care of each other and they love each other. And I know that, you know, Karen, I know that if something happens to us one day and they're left by themselves, they still have each other. And that's something incredibly beautiful, incredibly beautiful. It's beautiful when people get along. And Karen and her sister Barbara, they are uh, best friends, and they go shopping together all the time, and they bring all these bags home that I don't know how we're going to pay for, <laughs> and they do a vacation together every year, which I, they go on vacation uh, to the beach, and I'm not a really big beach person, so it's my week to eat Doritos and watch documentaries and watch sports, and, and they just are best friends. They talk every day. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But how many know that sometimes uh, family members don't get along? Sometimes sisters don't get along with each other. Sometimes brothers don't get along with each other. Sometimes cousins don't get along with each other. Sometimes there's rift in family situations, and it's ugly. It's ugly. And I can guarantee you in a crowd of this size and people listening online right now and people at Fenwick Island, there are people that probably have a broken relationship with a relative. There's a broken relationship that's so, so painful and so difficult. Karen and I watch uh, Downton Abbey. That's uh, something we like to watch. It's what we watch it over and over again. We like the plot. It's a, it's a show that actually has a plot. There's a plot in it. There's a story behind it. And, and uh, in Downton Abbey, there are two sisters, uh, Edith and Mary, Lady Mary. And they are the daughters of uh, Cora and Lord Grantham. And these two girls throughout the series, if you watch Downton Abbey, they are constantly fighting each other they're constantly they hate each other and they're constantly at odds with each other and they say hurtful hurtful things to each other and they do hurtful things and so that's the picture of many families and the book of psalms says that it's beautiful when people get along it's incredible when there's unity it's incredible when there's harmony but the opposite is when there's not harmony and when there's disharmony it's ugly it's painful and it's not, it's not just in, in life, it's in, it's, in the, it's, in, it's in the Bible as well. If you look in the Bible, you'll find the first family had a big issue. There was Cain that attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then you've got Esau that hated Jacob. Uh, and you've got uh, Joseph's brothers who hated him. And by the way, there's interesting, you look in all these themes, not so much in, uh, in uh, Cain and Abel, but you look in these things in Jacob's family and, and Isaac's family, there was favoritism of one child over another child. In, Joseph, in the Joseph story, Joseph was the favored child, and it says in the Joseph story that his father loved Joseph more than the other sons. Whenever there's favoritism in a family, whenever there's favoritism of a parent toward one child, it sows the seed for division in the future. 
And so you've got to be very careful of that. You've got to make sure that you love your kids equally. Your kids are different. Every child is different. They all have different gifts, and they have different personalities. And wise parents know how to embrace their children where they are and to love them so that they feel loved and valued. The most important thing that any parent can do for their child the most important thing we can do for our, child, our children and our grandchildren is to erase that question mark in their heart. And every child has a question mark in their heart. They're born with a question mark in their heart. And the question mark says, am I loved and am I valuable? Am I loved and am I valuable? So my job as a dad, when I had my sons, and my job as a granddad is to erase that question mark to let my kids and my grandkids know how loved and valuable they are. And so when you look at the Old Testament, you see the dysfunction of the Old Testament. You see these families are dysfunctional, and it has so much to do with, like, for instance, between Esau and Jacob. Uh, Rebecca loved Jacob because he liked to cook. And Isaac loved, Rebecca, or loved, uh, uh, loved Esau because Esau was a hairy man and he loved to go bow hunting. So there was this division and the, because the, the parents didn't love the kids equally, it sowed division in the future and there was dysfunction in the family. Here's something to remember. Every family is dysfunctional. How many did not have a perfect family? Just raise your hand right now. You did not have a perfect family. And, and that's true. Look, just raise it up real high again. Look around. Everybody did not have a perfect family. Nobody had a perfect family. Every family's dysfunction was just a matter of degree. <laughs> Say this with me. I was raised in a dysfunctional family, but I now have a perfect father. So God heals us of all that stuff. So that's important for us to remember. Uh, so you've got, you've got division in families, and you've got uh, brothers and sisters who don't get along. Uh, you've got uh, co-workers who don't get along. Sometimes you've got people you work with you don't get along. Sometimes people in a neighborhood don't get along. HOAs can be bloody places sometimes. How many have ever been to a negative? Don't raise your hand, but you've been to a negative HOA meeting. So this year... You know, we could, we could go the same route we've always gone, get upset with people, you know, hold bitterness in our heart toward people and have a black list where we put people on a black list in our mind, put them in a certain category, or we could bless our enemies this year and we could find new freedom that the Lord wants us to have. In the New Testament, there was division, Philippians 4, 2, uh, and 3. Paul writes, I plead, I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind. And the Lord, Paul and Barnabas, uh, and Paul and Barnabas, yes, and I ask you, true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side and the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and there's two women in the church that are fighting and they're having difficulty, and he, he's pleading with them. And he's pleading with the church and for a spiritual leader there to help them get along. So division is common. It's common. It's common in the Old, Old Testament. It's common in the New Testament. Paul and Barnabas had a, a big argument in Acts chapter 15. Such a sharp disagreement that they separated. So it's a big, big deal. So let me talk to you a little bit about um, three reasons not to be filled with anger and bitterness towards somebody. Three reasons not to be filled with anger and bitterness. First reason is anger and bitterness is self-destructive. 
Anger and bitterness is self-destructive. When you are angry at somebody, when you carry around anger in your heart and unforgiveness and bitter towards somebody, it's self-destructive. It hurts you. It's affecting you in a negative way. And it's very important for us to remember that uh, someone said, it's actually, actually Marianne Williamson said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. So it's taking in this poison in your heart and you have a hard time with it. Now here's something I believe very much. I believe that when you are unforgiving, when you have bitterness in your heart, when you have angst in your heart, when you have revenge in your heart, that it affects you negatively physically. I believe that there's scientific proof now that's emerging that our emotional attitude toward other people has an ill effect on us physically. This report from uh, Johns Hopkins University uh, doctor Karen Schwartz said, there's enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Uh, Susan uh, Swart, Karen Schwartz uh, says, director of the Mood Disorders and Adult Consultation Clinic at Johns Hopkins, chronic anger puts you into a flight or fight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risks of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, claims stress levels, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. So that's not a theologian. That's a doctor from Johns Hopkins University that says when you have anger in your heart, it affects your immune system. It affects your, uh, your heart rate. It affects your blood pressure. It, affects, it even gives you the, the increased capacity of getting diabetes. So say this with me. Unforgiveness is self-destructive. So you want to think about yourself to start with. If I go through this year still angry at my sister, still angry at my ex, still angry at this person that hurt me so deeply... And it's not to minimize what they did. What they did to you is factual. It's reality. It doesn't mean that you deny reality. It means that you decide in your heart that you're not going to let that rule your life anymore. I was thinking about what I think bitterness is like. Bitterness is like carrying an extra weight. Now, I've got this uh, cinder block that I've got on the stage here. Went and bought it yesterday at Lowe's. I have one at home, but it's dirty. I want to get a clean one for the stage. So this is a, this is a clean cinder block. And I talked to a mason before church. Joe was telling me, I was asking him about how much the cinder block weighs. And this is an 8 by 8 by 16, I think. And um, he says a cinder block, this should weigh about 30 pounds. Now, to be honest, Joe, it feels like it weighs more than that. But can you imagine going through your, your, your life carrying the cinder block. That, you know, you get up in the morning, you got the cinder block, and, and you go to work, you get in the truck, you get in the car, you got the cinder block. You, got, you, go, you know, you, you go to work, and you're carrying that cinder block everywhere you go. You go to class, and you walk down the hall, you got the cinder block. And everywhere you go, you have the cinder block. And the cinder block is weighing you down. Now, it's possible, it's possible to have ill offense against other people, so you could have other cinder blocks. And you can go through this year carrying this weight that you carried last year and the year before because you got a bad relationship with your in-laws. 
And, you, and you've got a hard heart in your heart toward them. And you're just carrying this weight because it's self-destructive. And so the best way, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is setting down the weight and giving it to the Lord. And say, Lord, I forgive my enemies. The last thing I do every day is I get on my knees and I'm not some super saint. I'm just telling you how I live. So I live life just like you do. I'm in the real world, have interactions with people. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But the last thing I do every day is I get on my knees beside my bed after taking my pills and brush my teeth and Karen's getting ready to turn Seinfeld on us. We watch Seinfeld before we go to sleep. And I get on my knees and I say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my debts as I forgive the debts of my debtors. So every day I end with forgiving maybe somebody that hurt me, maybe somebody that said something insultedly, maybe somebody that said something that really hurt my feelings, or maybe somebody that did something that was totally unfair. Because let me tell you this, this is the reality. Life is unfair. Life is unfair. People are unfair. Say it with me. Life is unfair and people are unfair. That's the bad news. The good news is it's that way for everybody. It's that way for everybody. So the first thing, the reason you forgive is that forgiveness is self-destructive. The second thing is, is that anger and bitterness keeps you from reaching your goals. If you're carrying this brick around and you're going through life lugging this brick, you're not going to be your very best. You're not going to be the very best salesman you can be. You're not going to be the very best teacher you can be. You're not going to be your very best because you have to forgive so you can... I think it was Ziegler that said, I cannot climb as high as I meant to climb with unforgiveness in my heart. I cannot climb as high as I meant to climb with unforgiveness in my heart. I've got to, I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with that because I've got to go as high as I need to go. And the next reason that we need to forgive, first reason you forgive is because and not have bitterness in your heart. It's self-destructive. The second reason is it doesn't, you can't reach your goals. You can't become everything you're meant to become. And thirdly, anger and bitterness hinders your intimacy with the Lord. You cannot compartmentalize, and I cannot compartmentalize, my relationship with people from my relationship with God. In other words, if I have a, a, a really bad attitude towards somebody and I really hate them in my heart and I'm really angry at them and I'm bitter at them and I'm not going to let them off the hook and I'm not going to forgive them, then that directly affects my relationship with the Lord. There's no way to compartmentalize that. That's why Jesus said, if you're at the altar and you're making a gift at the altar, and you remember that there's somebody that has all against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and seek to be reunited with your friend. Go and seek to be reunited with your friend. So Jesus was saying basically that make sure that you don't you know, compartmentalize and say, you know, I, and I've seen people do this all the time. 
that they pretend that they're all spiritual and they have this great relationship with the Lord and they hate their brother or they hate their friend. It's, it is an illusion. That is impossible because there is always a correlation between our heart toward people and our heart toward God. And that's important. Now, you say, Pastor Daniel, do you have any verses for that? Well, I've got a lot of verses for that. And I don't want to read the whole Bible to you, but there's, a, there's some good stuff here. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. And by the way, 1 John, the epistle of 1 John is one of the best, best books in the Bible about forgiveness. And if you're struggling with forgiving uh, you know, a father-in-law or someone that's really hurt you, and, and by the way, let me just say this. It doesn't mean if somebody, if somebody hurt you and they're, it doesn't, if they're dysfunctional and they're a dangerous, pers- dangerous person and they're, and they're, they're a, uh, like a person that is causing harm and saying negative things, it doesn't mean you have to be around them and be their best friend. In fact, you should set boundaries. You should set fences up around people like that and not be around people like that. But in your heart, in your heart, you can't hate them. You can't hate them regardless of what they've done. And here's what it says, 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Listen to that. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. What does that mean? He's saying if you say you claim you're in the light, if you claim you walk with Jesus, if you claim you love Jesus, if you claim you're authentic Christian and you hate your brother, he said you are still in the darkness. You're not really an authentic Christian. That's what it's describing there. Authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity always leads to forgiveness of our enemies. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves his brother or sister lives in the light. If you love your brother or sister, you love the person that, you know, and you have compassion for the person that's been difficult to you. If you have that kind of attitude, anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Now, that's an interesting little phrase. There's nothing in them to make them stumble. If you are struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with uh, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, if you're struggling with porn addiction, uh, there's a great little insight here on addiction. When you get angry at somebody and you get hate in your heart towards somebody, and you're a recovering addict, when you have anger in your heart, when you, that anger gets in it, you bec- it's kryptonite to Superman. You are setting yourself up for a failure because when you let anger rule your heart, you're going to fall back in that addiction nine times out of ten. That's what it says. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. So if I'm living in love and, you know, if you're, and we all have things where habits and hang-ups and addictions we struggle with. And if you're trying to overcome those addictions this year, you got to make sure you got to guard your heart. Remember the Indiana and the Temple of Doom? Uh, guard your heart, Indy, guard your heart. That's just a crazy little thing. But anyhow, it hit me there. Had to say it. But you got to guard your heart. If you get anger in your heart, it's going to cause you to stumble. So I, I say to people when we talk to people, I just recently spoke at Celebrate Recovery at the Rehoboth campus about uh, our, our people that are struggling with addictions. And I talk to them about not letting hatred and anger get in your heart. You're trying to overcome addictions. You're doing good. And somebody does something to you out of the blue that really makes you mad. And you get into that anger. That anger will cause you to stumble back into your addiction. 
You've got to get rid of your anger to get rid of your addiction. Say it with me. You've got to get rid of your anger to get rid of your addiction. You say, is there any way around that? No. No. You cannot overcome your addiction unless you overcome your anger. It says, uh, but anyone who hates his brother and sister, this is verse 11, 1 John 2, but anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And then it says in chapter 3 of 1 John, for this is the message I heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that, listen to this, verse 14. How do we know we're Christians? How do we know we are generally walking with Jesus? Verse 14 of 1 John 3. We know that we pass from death to life. How do we know that? How do we know we pass from death to life? How do we know we're really walking with Jesus? How do we know that? Because we love each other. Because we love each other. Love is the ultimate fruit to verify our salvation. And uh, so that's important. So anger and bitterness hinders our intimacy with the Lord. Some of you heard this story about Leonardo da Vinci when uh, I think it was 1435 when he was commissioned to paint the the Last Supper uh, and that famous painting that we are all so familiar with. And when he was commissioned to Uh, paint that right before painting that picture he had this falling out with a fellow painter I mean he had this horrendous fight and it was over something trivial as I remember this big big fight and when da Vinci started painting the picture he decided he was going to get vengeance on his enemy so on the body of Jesus he was going to on the body of Judas he was going to paint the face of his enemy that painter he had that big falling out with and for all time when anybody looked at the painting they would see the face of his enemy on the body of Judas and so that's what he did he painted the face of his enemy on the body of Judas and he started painting and when he got to the face of Jesus he could not paint the face of Jesus he could not get it he tried and he tried and he tried and da Vinci realized that the reason he couldn't see the face of Jesus was because he had painted the face of his enemy on the body of Judas so he went back and he changed that face and he came back and he could paint the face of Jesus when we hate our brother we cannot see the face of Jesus we cannot see the face of Jesus so one of the big reasons to get rid of bitterness and anger out of your heart is because that it can hinder us from seeing the face of Jesus. So it's self-destructive. And when I think about being a peacemaker, I think about in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 14, I'm not going to read it to you, but there's a story of Abraham in the Old Testament that his nephew Lot uh, and his uh, herdsmen, the nephew Lot and Abraham's herdsmen, they were having this big fight over over pasture land, over grass. And there was this big fight. And Abraham initiated peacemaking with his nephew. He said, Lot, let there not be trouble between you and I. If you, you pick out, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go, you, wherever you go, I'm going to accommodate you. And Abraham was a peacemaker. He took initiative. And as soon as Lot left, the Lord said to Abraham, 
he said, you look to the north, you look to the south, you look to the east, you look to the west, all the land that you see I'm going to give to you because I've got your back, I'm going to take care of you. In life, the Bible says in Psalm 23 that the Lord will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. The Lord will take care of us. You don't have to be your defender. The Lord will be your defender. When you think about Abraham and you think about Lot and Abraham being the bigger man, Abraham making the initiative and Abraham making peace, when you think about it, I think Abraham valued the relationship he had with Lot more than the issue. And you should always value the relationship more than the issue. The relationship is always more important than the issue. It doesn't mean you throw theology out the window. It doesn't mean you throw you know, good doctrine out the window. We have to stand for what is true and what is right. But at the end of the day, there are so many things that are trivial. You need to always value the relationship more than the issue. And what were they fighting about? They were fighting over grass. They were fighting over grass. And so many times we fight over things that really don't matter. Christmas, the day after Christmas, our, our family came over. Uh, Karen and I were kind of with ourselves on Christmas and the kids had stuff. And so we had our family Christmas with uh, Tim and Joel and uh, Jessica and Stacy and the grandkids all came and we had a great, great Christmas and le- uh, presents piled up and great food and, uh, you know, I have uh, two grandsons and Nixon and, uh, and Jack Pierce and I have Nora and uh, Willow as my granddaughters and we had this wonderful Christmas and after uh, we got done opening all the presents for hours, we just spent hours opening presents and, and eating great food. And, and then the kids all went out in the backyard. They're playing. It was a beautiful day. And I'm out there with the kids, out there with the grandboys. And, uh, and one of the grandsons took a stick from the other grandson and broke it. And evidently, this was the stick of all sticks for that other grandboy. <laughs> this was the stick that he's loved his whole life. And he cried and cried and cried for 25, 30 minutes. My first thought was, we spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these Christmas gifts, and he's crying over a broken stick. Next year, we're just going to just put sticks in the backyard, you know? And they finally, they finally, uh, we finally got him settled down a little bit. I think they're all tired, too much sugar and all that, but... So many things we fight about in life are just broken sticks. Just broken sticks. I met a man one time that hadn't talked to his son in years because of a debate over a vanity tag that he thought was his, the son thought was his. That's just grass. That's a broken stick. And I believe that If you want to live and I want to live a better life this year and not carry around this big heavy brick, I'm going to set it down at the feet of the cross and say, Lord, you've forgiven me for a lot of bad stuff. And so I'm going to forgive them for their bad stuff. And you're going to move on with your life. And this year, happy, happy are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. Happy are the peacemakers.
for they will be called the children of God. How do I know I'm a child of God? How do I know I really, really, really know Jesus? How do I know it's really true? As I'm a peacemaker. I'm a peacemaker. God, help us to be peacemakers this year. Now you say, you know, Pastor Danny, I don't know. It's, they've hurt me so bad, I don't think I can forgive. Forgiveness is a very hard thing to do. You know, it's very hard to do. But it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, he gives grace to us to forgive. He gives grace. He helps us to forgive. And so as we close this service, I want you to lift your hands. I want all of us to lift our hands, and I want you to open your hands. And your open hands toward heaven means that you're letting go of some junk. You're letting go of some stuff that you've been, it's been weighing you down, it's been slowing you down. Lord, this year is going to be a different year for so many people, revolutionary for us. Because you forgave us, Lord, we forgive them. You said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And people don't know how much they've hurt us. They're ignorant of the level of pain they've caused us. But you said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And so, Father, we follow the example of Jesus. And we thank you that this year we're going to do the opposite. We're going to do the opposite. We're going to love people instead of hate them. We're going to extend grace instead of putting them under our judgment. We release them in Jesus' name. Thank you for your power. Amen and amen amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.